adoptees, friends and family of adoptees, adoptive parents, birth parents, etc., etc. All you people, I am your host, Mike McDonald. This is The Rambler. This is my show. This is my podcast. Uh, we ramble. We ramble on this show a lot. And not just about adoption, about all kinds of stuff. Today, my guest, Sarah Eldred. Sarah Eldred, yes, you will enjoy Sarah Eldred. She is a forthcoming voice in MPR, that's M-M-P-R, not N-P-R, the Minnesota Public Radio, and her show will be premiering on October 23rd. So mark your calendars, even if you don't live in Minnesota, which is a great state, by the way. I happen to like Minnesota very much. I traveled all the way there. We took a short little uh, vacation to Minnesota, and uh, we, we, we talked. We talked with people right before I went to Michigan, the other, the great state of Michigan, my first time in Michigan. I think I talked about this already. We're, the food in Michigan is huge. It's ridiculous. Anyways, Sarah, we had a good conversation. Uh, you will enjoy it in the in the very near future, in the next few minutes. I got to say, though, uh, you know, asking... So when I travel around the country, this, this great country of ours, and I try to do interviews with people... Sometimes I don't always have a recording space. It's not like in New York. I still have yet to do this. But if you're in New York or you're coming to visit New York and you'd like to get interviewed, uh, you know, I will rent I will rent rehearsal space for us to go to. So you don't have to come all the way up an hour away on public transportation to my house, which might be awkward for you to do a conversation, to have a conversation and for the show. Uh, or I, I typically will meet you uh, in the city to do a, a show there. Uh, I've met in uh, uh, cafes. I've met in malls. I've <laughs> met in food courts. Uh, I've uh, I Typically, if they live in New York, the guest lives in New York, I will go to their house. They will be kind enough to invite me to their home, and we do it there, which is usually the best place to do it. But when I travel, that's not really an option, especially in some of these smaller areas that I go to. So I am forced <laughs> in a very to be in a very awkward position where I interview people, I, I invite them to my hotel, which was the case with Sarah and my next guest. Uh, and it's weird. It's weird every time. It's awkward. I've talked about this uh, with Zeke Anders, another podcaster, and also the photographer filmmaker behind uh, the CAD Diaries. You can check out his episode as well. But for his episode, he was visiting in Brooklyn, and I, I went to his hotel in Brooklyn, and we were talking about how awkward it is that you have to invite people to your, basically your, your room, your hotel room. <laughs> and it's, it's weird. It's always like, Hey, don't get a, don't get weirded out, but, uh, we're doing the show from the hotel today. So just come on up, come on, up, come on up to my hotel room. <laughs> I promise I'm not a creep. Uh, I guess, I don't know. It, it, maybe I am. It, it sounds creepy. It sounds creepy. Doesn't it? And in any case, that's, that was the case with, with Sarah, unfortunately, is that uh, when I travel, and again, don't be weirded out if I travel to your area and I have to invite you to the hotel because there's nowhere else to do the show sometimes, okay? It's mostly the quietest place in the hotel unless I can somehow sneak into a unused meeting or conference space like I did in Washington, D.C., uh, or Indiana. I did that in Indianapolis as well, but sometimes that space is being used like, like it was in Minnesota and I had to do it from the hotel room. So don't get weirded out. That's just the way it is, uh, as it was during this interview. So enjoy the awkwardness that is this interview. Uh, Sarah also interviewed me right before this recording 
And uh, you can check that out on her show, again, on Minneapolis Public Radio. And that's going to be premiering uh, October 23rd, 33rd. That's not a real date. October 33rd. Um, No, the 23rd of October is where it will be premiering. I I believe she's still working on a name for the show. uh, And she's interviewed plenty of other people at this point. So be prepared for that. It's going to be awesome. It'll be the next big thing to come out of Minneapolis since Terry Gross. <laughs> You'll love it. You'll love her voice. She has a great like NPR radio voice. I'm saying NPR National Public Radio this time because uh, I don't know. I don't know. She just has one of those really great radio voices that I lack. A lot of people say I sound good. I have a good radio voice. I don't necessarily believe them when they say that, but it's totally cool. Anyways, uh, enjoy this episode with Sarah Eldred. Don't mind the awkwardness and look forward to her show on October 23rd. Be on the lookout for that. I'll publish more information as it comes out. Promise. Uh, Enjoy. Enjoy. All right, Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you. You just got done interviewing me. I did. I don't do a whole lot of interviews. (laughs) Well, we're switching places now. Yes, yes. Yours is so much more professional than mine. Well. (laughs) You're very well set up. It's a script. I'm very jealous of your whole, like, you have a nice microphone and you have the recorder. I need to get this. I I need to get one, too, actually, because I'm borrowing mine. Yeah, so where are, you, where are you borrowing all of your equipment from? So there's this project called the Wave Project where they it's kind of like public access radio that you, you apply for um, an hour of time on air. Um, it's a station KFAI uh, 90.3 in Minneapolis. So you write in a proposal, and they pretty much accept everybody <laughs> because I've listened to some of the, the episodes, and there's a lot of um, newbies. <laughs> But um, <laughs> but, but <to> amateurs, <laughs> amateurs, yes. And so it was actually helpful to listen to it because I had all these fear fears of being perfect, and I'm like, oh, I don't have to be perfect. This isn't NPR. I don't have to. You know, yeah. I don't have to sound like them. So, <laughs> um, yeah, this will be aired. The interview we just did will be aired in October, October 23rd. Oh, you have a you have a specific date already. Yes. Yeah. Man, you are way more professional than I am. I don't have any dates. <laughs> Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks. So you've been doing this, I'm your fifth interview so far? Yes. Who else have you interviewed? I've interviewed, I was going to do a story about about um, Korean adoptee mothers, mm-hmm. um, kind of get that angle of, of and perspective of the adoptee experience, but I kind of put something out there on the Facebook groups and I started asking people who I know who are adopted and maybe talking to their moms, but the response was very, very um, small. And so mm-hmm. I kind of shifted and I did I did one interview with a mom, which was which was interesting. And then the other interviews have been with adoptees. And I'm not quite sure how everything is going to develop, what it's going to look like, but um, I'd like to tie in a theme of some sort. Well, adoption sounds like the theme. Well, yeah, but adoption is such a big category. That's true. You can go so many different ways. <laughs> but I think that's that's great for, you know, when you have multiple um, shows like like The Rambler, when you can just constantly or continually uncover new things about adoption, whereas this is just an hour, I want to make sure I don't 
overwhelm the audience, I guess. Yeah. And just kind of give everybody who is listening, which will be like three people. Like, no. my, like my mother and <laughs> my best friend. Um, but just give them kind of a a quick snapshot of of the experience. Yeah. Yeah. So our, our interview was about 20 minutes-ish? Yep. Is that usually the uh, average length? Um, yeah. Yeah. I ha- The first interview was about an hour long. Whoa. Um, I think we were both <laughs> really nervous. <laughs> I know I was. And so we just kind of rambled. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It quickly turns into that. It does. It does. <laughs> I know. A couple of times uh, when I first started out and people were listening, they'd be like, you guys talk about, like, everything. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's called The Rambler. <laughs> Like, right. if I was smart, I would have picked a more specific name about the topic, and people would have been like, oh, yeah, no, this is a show about adoption, but it's yeah. not always about that. It's just kind of about whatever. Exactly. So, you kind of, you sound, it sounds like you honed the show a little bit after that one. Yeah. Um, I I don't know if I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, because I realize when I get down to editing everything, it's going, it's going to be a lot of... Like, I already have, like, four hours of of recording, mm-hmm. um, and it's only an hour show. So I think I'm, I'm overshooting so that I can put together whatever segments I'm going to, um, and I'll have plenty to pick from. So you can, like, boil it down a little yeah. bit. Yeah. That'll be good. So you might be on it for, like, two seconds. That's totally fine. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear any more of me anyways. It's <laughs> well, the Minnesota... Well, I don't know. I don't know how... Do you, can you look at your uh, like how many people listen oh, and sure. where they're listening to? I can't remember the name of that, but yeah, yeah, all the stats. Yep, you can yep. look at the stats. You can look at trending, how you're doing up and Absolutely. down. Which Do you have a lot of Minnesota popular. listeners? Oh, uh, on the IPs, I think I got a, a handful. It's not that that uh, that popular set. Yeah, usually I think my biggest audiences are in New York, um, California. Indian, Indiana, a bunch of listeners from Indiana. Really? <laughs> yeah, because I went there uh, to do some an interview out there, Tara Vanderwood actually, and I think her and a couple of friends probably still listen to it. So, okay. a couple there, um, Michigan, but not a whole lot of Minnesota yet. Wow. So I don't know. This is an untapped market for it's, you. Uh, yeah, and well, it's one would think it'd be so popular. <laughs> But maybe they don't like me in Minnesota. Well, Who no, knows? we like everybody in Minnesota. Oh, well, that's what they say. <laughs> I think, uh, well, we'll see. I just joined the Facebook group, so that might help now that maybe people were not exposed to it before, but now yeah. they are on Facebook. So, did you Did you have to, um, look, I'm flipping the interview around again, but did you have to, no, like... No, it's fine. This is a conversation. <laughs> did you have to write kind of a little blurb about yourself? Because I remember I got onto some of those Facebook uh, adoptee groups, and they were very particular they're like can you write about you and make sure that this is i think not for minnesota but i feel like the michigan group i had to i think the florida group i had to i think there's a group in georgia or atlanta i had to do it for that one it's yeah well it's good because they're like you know we have to vet if they're a cat or not right i was like oh no i'm I'm really i'm really adopted i swear (laughs) just trying to network yeah. And try to get people to listen to the show and get perspective of people to interview on the show. So that's kind of where I'm at. Right. But yeah, you do. they do vet people. They uh, just I don't, don't want any Scandinavians or anything. Yeah, they just don't want anybody. No uh, Ericsons <laughs> <Right>. or... <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Uh, I don't think for Minnesota they did. Maybe they knew me. Maybe somebody knew me up here. 
because I come to Minnesota a decent amount, and I have a lot of friends who live out here. Yeah. I do like Minnesota, though. So, But you've always lived in Minnesota? I actually, yes, I grew up in Minnesota um, in the Twin Cities. Then I went out to Chicago for five years and then finished up my college experience in Indiana, actually. Oh, yeah? Um, at, at St. Mary's College, right across from Notre Dame. And um, and then I came back to Minnesota. So I've, I'm, I'm going to turn 40 on Christmas, and so I would, like, one-fourth of that has been away from Minnesota. That's but a decent I, amount. I just love it here. Yeah? There's, I, I love, I love actually, I love St. Paul. Oh, <laughs> the, the other twin. The other twin. <laughs> of the Twin City. I yes. like St. Paul too. Actually, St. Paul reminds me a lot of New Jersey, I think, which is why I like it. Yeah. Because I came up here, so I came up here for the first time in like September in 2007 or something like that. And my mental image of Minneapolis and Minnesota was just like frigid, mm-hmm. uh, Arctic hell, uh, very icy. Yes. Um, like people just only using the skywalks, <laughs> and that was it. You didn't go outside. Oh. I came here in September, and I was like, it's going to be so cold. And so I brought all my winter clothes from New York, like a big winter jacket, and only packed winter clothes. And I landed, and it was like, the weather outside today was like 70 degrees. And I was like, what the hell? I'm so hot. What is this? I thought it was going to be like the ice kingdom up here. I know. know. It's it's a bad rep we get. And it was gorgeous. Yeah. I was like, this is crazy. Yeah. So, no, you guys have seasons up here. We do. Very short seasons. Yes. Well, long winters. Yes. And then short other seasons. Yes. (laughs) How was it growing up in uh, the Twin Cities? It was great. Um, it was very storybook. Yeah, I think. In I, what um, ways? I. It felt like a small town, but it also had you know you could go over to Minneapolis and have the big city feel. Um, for a while, we were you know we're we're the flyover part of the country, mm. um, but I think a lot of cultures being developed like we we have great plays an amazing music community um really creative stuff happening in the twin cities and it's just been you don't feel like you know like i like i when i went to indiana i felt like there is very little there (laughs) um sorry indiana sorry indiana and um and i just you know there's so much more Options and opportunities in Minneapolis and St. Paul. Yeah, this is an incredibly creative, artistic city. Yes. Uh, we went to uh, breakfast in Uptown this morning, um, which is really like what everybody else would call downtown because it's mm-hmm. like the hip part of Minneapolis. Yeah. But it reminded me like the guy had like a beard and a beanie, and even when we went to Global Market like two nights ago for dinner, and like this guy had like the nice mustache with the wax on the ends yeah. <laughs> and the sweet beard going on. And I was like, this place is like a weird mix of like Brooklyn hipsters and like the Portland, Seattle, like mm-hmm. run scene kind of mixed together. Absolutely. It's got a little bit of both of that going on. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I think the hipster thing is new. It wasn't here 10 years ago, but now it's like, it's in it. Yeah. I work at public, ra- I, I work at public radio and I think probably 95% of the men who work there have, a beard and wear flannels and yes, you know, listen to 
hipster music. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yes, I was. Uh, it was a little bit chilly the other night uh, for once, and I was like, "Oh my god, I didn't bring any jacket because I knew what time of year it was because yeah. it's warmer now." But I was like, "Oh wait, I brought a flannel," and I was like, <laughs> "Yes, this it's is all the about best. the layers." I went to like we we ended up going to Mall of America again, like probably the second time in my life, and I saw I was like, it was so hot in there for some reason. I was like. I don't care. I'm doing the 90s thing. I'm wrapping this flannel yeah. around my waist. And she was like, I can't believe you're doing this. <laughs> and, like, I saw at least three or four other people doing it. And it was almost like, gave a little nod yep. and, like, the eyebrows. It was like, yep. yeah, man, you know what's up. Yes. They probably thought you were a local. <laughs> I don't know if they thought I was a local, but uh, they definitely was like, there was some recognition there. Nice. <laughs> so you, you liked growing up around here? Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is a, Minneapolis, I don't know if people realize, is a pretty diverse city over mm-hmm. here. Like, and, and maybe you could fill me in on this. I'm not sure. I've gotten a lot of questions from adoptees about it, including Chinese adoptees who grew up outside of Minneapolis and, and St. Paul. But there are a lot of adoptees in Minnesota. Tons. Do we know the reason why Minnesota is such a hotbed for adoptees? Um, I don't know why. That's a, that's a, that's a really viable question to look into the answer of um I, I don't know why there's so many adoptees here um i don't know <laughs> yeah on your show or yeah on your show we were just talking about uh kevin volmer's a little bit and land of a gazillion adoptees i think they've rebranded themselves now to lga mm-hmm. but uh yeah this is i mean this is what it is the land of a gazillion adoptees it was like what why are there so many here? I think there yeah. was like a religious aspect to it. I think at one point with maybe the Lutheran church or something. I'm yes, not, yes. I'm not sure. That is, that does sound familiar because the, the main um, adoption agency was children's home society. Mm-hmm. And that was through the Lutheran church. They've now rebranded and become something else, I think. But um, yeah, I, I actually contacted them for some st- statistics about kind of the numbers of adoptees and I think they came up with since they're since they started adopting or processing adoptions from Korea it was like 8,000 and around 8,000 that's a good amount of adoptees yeah (laughs) yeah yeah and they and they weren't the only agency in the Twin Cities I mean obviously Holt and and a couple other smaller um organizations too i feel like children's home society is the big one here though yes it's like they i don't know if they've placed the most or anything like that but i feel like they're a major player in the minnesota market absolutely <laughs> of adoptions yes uh so were you so you were adopted through children's home services I was. or society yep uh and it sounds like you went back to try to get some statistics and everything did you ever kind of look for your own stuff there or was it more general stuff um, I, well, when I was, when I was like a adolescent, I think I was maybe sixth or seventh grade, they, my parents sent me there. They have, they had a bunch of Korean adoptee social groups, so we'd mm-hmm. get together. I mean, there was nothing really Korean about it. We would eat pizza and watch like the Goonies or something <laughs> and just, just kind of like having that fellowship and yeah, exposure yeah. And, and building friendships with, um other adoptees and we'd have a like field trips out to the amusement parks Mm -hmm. or um go to a basketball game or something um and then 
I don't know that. So I, I did a lot of that kind of stuff. And then, um, I didn't really look into my, my own records through the agency. I, I guess I should do that. But they did, I did have, um, papers and stuff through, and, and maybe they provided, but through, um, social welfare service in Korea, which is the Korean agency that worked with children's home. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I've got like quite a few, um, pages of, of, um, description of what happened to me and what I was like the first six months of my life. And so it was, it's kind of, it's kind of what I've heard other people's um, like maybe it was just a form. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, what did it say? Um, it did say there was a, a paragraph that I was left on a doorstep in um, at a police station in Seoul, and they named the officer that found me around 4 a.m., and then they placed me in the home, and um, and then I had a note attached to me that said um, when I was born and that I was left. Um, so I was born on December 25th, and I don't know how accurate this was, but I, when I did go to Korea and talk to the social worker, she said that's probably pretty accurate. Um, and, then it, and then it gives a little description of, of, you know, baby stuff. Like, she eats three times a day. She's got a great appetite. She eliminates twice a day. <laughs> eliminates. Um, she, she fusses a lot, but she's comforted when the house mother, you know, holds her. And, mm. and then kind of statistics of how I'm growing and how I'm mm-hmm. not necessarily adjusting, but kind of behaviorally. More like the medical side yeah. of things, yeah. I remember yeah. my form being very medical. Yeah. I feel like it was a one-pager. It was like, oh, baby cooed today or something. It was right. more like a log. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, I did these things. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> no, that sounds about right. And yeah. so you were adopted at six months old then? Yep. And then flew right into Minneapolis? Or? Flew right into Minneapolis. All right, and you've been here ever since except for your 10-year stint somewhere else. Correct. In Indiana. Yes. But it sounds like your parents did uh, try to kind of bring you into a little bit of cultural stuff, a little bit of um, adoption mm-hmm. things to do in the area, which, I mean, how often would you guys meet to watch the Goonies and <laughs> eat pizza? Probably once a month. That's pretty good. So it sounds like sort of like a mentorship program type of thing. Mm, you know, it, I think it scarred me more than it actually helped me. Really? You didn't yeah. have a good experience? No. The guy who ran the program was this, you know, overweight, balding white guy. And <laughs> it was just, I don't think he under like, I think he was just assigned, like, his his superior supervisor was just like, you're in charge of this. And, and he was very bitter about that. Uh. Um, and I just, I just didn't feel good. And then at one point, and I, I mean, this is just being completely honest. I remember we're all having pizza and the guy, the leader's name was Jeff. And he, he's like, all right, guys, come with me. And so we, 
start following him. He's taking us through the building, and um, we go into this room, and he files us single file in, in front of this group of people, and you know we're just no one's saying anything, and we're just kind of like, what's going on? And then the woman who was leading this like seminar or question answer um, thing was. Like now, these are these are Korean adoptees, and we were just like, like we were cattle, and I think that um, that was horrific. I just remember, like I I felt extremely angry at that um, at that experience, and and um, I, then after that, I, I never wanted. I told my mom, I'm like, I don't want to go back to that place, and I didn't tell her why, but. Wow. So they yeah. just kind of, like, didn't even tell you or warn you. No. They just paraded you out there in front of, like, a parent group, it sounds like. Yep. yep. Oh, man. Yeah. That, yeah, that's, uh, that's a pretty bad experience. Yeah. So, I mean, did your parents know that that was, like, something that they did there? I don't think, do you think? so. It was just, like, you know, they thought they were doing a good thing. And yeah. And they did this thing, and it was a whole other thing for the and yeah and up until that point up up until that point it was it was an okay time it was just hanging out with these this different set of kids and yeah so did you keep in touch with any of those kids after that or was it just kind of like i'm finished here i never want to go back it was i had one friend who i had been friends with before i had several adoptee korean adoptees um friends as I was growing up, a lot in my high school, mm. a lot in my grade school, and my best friend, Sarah, Sarah and Sarah, um, she was adopted, and she came to that group with me, too. And I don't I don't think I ever asked her about, maybe she wasn't there that night, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't really. And I wonder why they would it. choose, like, this guy who didn't seem interested in I this know. at all. Like, you know, I don't know if there were... Maybe, like, no adult adoptees back then. Probably not, I guess. But at least somebody who seemed mildly interested in doing right. it probably should have picked for this program or yeah. who at least liked kids. Did he even like kids or anything? Or was I it know. just like, nope, yeah, we're going to throw in the Goonies and order pizza, and that's we're going to call it a night. Yep. Like, I think he, like, turned the movie on, got us the pizza, and, like, went out and smoked cigarettes or something. I don't know. <laughs> God. <laughs> so did you ever, like, was that kind of something that turned you off from that kind of participation for a while or did you keep going trying to go to other things i kept trying there were um i went to korean culture camp um they have uh minnehaha academy has this amazing week-long camp um kind of what you were explaining in our interview about holt camp but and Mm we we you know there was language dance taekwondo we got to um eat korean and just kind of experience the culture and um and that was i i love doing that every year um but there and there were other camps i know there's camp chosun which is kind of similar but and you can stay overnight and you can do it old like the the korean culture camp i went to ended at six in sixth grade um but at that point i was getting older and i'm like i don't i don't really want to do that yeah you know i'd rather do something else <laughs> you know once you hit like the teenage years yeah. it's like i'm gonna not cool. <laughs> yeah i guess that was kind of like the fun part about hold game was t- 
typically it was like you didn't see those kids for like a whole year. So mm-hmm. it was like friends that you'd been like pen palling or something like that for a year since then, unless you happen to live near each other. But if you're there like every month or something like that, yeah. you're like, I have better things to do on a Saturday as a teenager. Absolutely. <laughs> I feel like I do struggle with that with the teens now. It's like, oh man, I got to keep them interested somehow or they're just going to be like Pokemon going on their phone <laughs> all day. <laughs> I know. And it's so different now that they have phones. It's like, I can't imagine... I mean, it might have been, I don't know, it, it might have been easier to keep in contact with other people who didn't go to your schools if, if you had a phone, but it's also, I know there's a lot of socially, <laughs> social downfalls yeah. as well. Well, yeah, I think, uh, you know, for the most part, technology is, is a good thing. It's a net good. It's a net positive. Right. But, like, I'm thinking this year I'm going to be much more stringent in the no cell phone policy during the year unless we're doing, like, a phone-based activity like geocaching or, like, group Pokemon going right. or something. Like, that might be fun, but, you know, I don't think they need to be, like, texting other people yeah. or Instagramming or Snapchatting during the events. <laughs> <laughs> but I also don't want to be that guy who's like, I'm just going to order a pizza and you <laughs> You guys watching me right, go smoke right. cigarettes <laughs> i don't want to turn kids off no. like you got turned off yeah. from the experience so what else i mean wh- is that something you've always been interested in in terms of like the broader perspective of adoption and hanging out with fellow adoptees or was it more pushed by your parents and then you were kind of disinterested as a teenager i, I think i went through phases um i I was interested in hanging out and in meeting different adoptees for a while, and then at one point it just became kind of forced, and my parents were like, you should really do this, and I just kind of stopped caring at one point, so, um, and then I, you know, I, I tried again when I, I moved to Chicago and I went to the Art Institute, and I was so, I was so happy one day I was looking through their student groups and they had um a korean what was it called a korean american student association oh really and so i was like oh my gosh i finally found somewhere that i'm gonna belong and (laughs) and i went to their first meeting to my first meeting and they were speaking in korean and i was like oh "Oh." no (laughs) so they were koreans living in America. It's and they were like second gen. Yeah, and I just I'm like oh, I can't understand what you're <laughs> saying. So I, I didn't go back. Oh no. But um yeah I, I don't really I don't think I've I've sought out um in my later early adulthood and and even currently I don't seek connections with Korean adoptees, but I do I am extremely interested in the experience. And I suppose if, you know, something presents itself, I'm not going to be like, well, no, I don't really have any interest. But Yeah. Yeah. So you went to college in uh, Chicago then? Mm-hmm. Well, I went to college everywhere. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, let's get into this. Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> so you, you went through your teenage years a little bit disinterested in adoption-related things. Mm-hmm. What kind of interested you during that period? What filled in the gap? Um, Sounds like art. Art was big. Um, just hanging out with my friends and feeling, trying to feel as normal as possible. And um, well, how do you define normal at that time? I guess 
any time being away from my parents. <laughs> That's when I felt the best. Sorry, mom and dad. <laughs> Sorry, parents in general. It just happens. <laughs> um, yeah, it was that whole teenage like disinterest in in anything anything you have to say or do. I just don't want anything to do with that. Were you a rebel? Were you rebelling? Oh, I was very rebellious. Yeah? Yes. What'd you do? Like, what was, like, the worst thing that you could do here in in Minnesota? (laughs) I mean, I was a pretty bad kid. I... I started doing drugs, like, at 16, and it's, it's really ironic because I... I, um... I went to this... My parents... My mother was a nun, and my dad was a priest, and they were ex-nun and priest. (laughs) <laughs> and they they got married pretty late in life. Like, they're, I think, 37 or 38. Mm-hmm. And so having children wasn't really physically an option. or I, I don't know necessarily the entire s- details about that. But so they adopted me, and, um, and I'm an only child. So I, I'm constantly, I felt like I was constantly under the scrutiny of, you know, I was the only thing that they paid attention to. Mm. And, um, so I got really resentful at that and just kind of acted out starting, starting when I was like 16. I was a pretty good kid up until then. I did my homework. I wasn't sassy, but like once 16 hit, I did everything. Were they pretty strict in the house? Not really. No, they're pretty. Former nun mom. They were broke out like a ruler. no. No, not at all. They were actually, and so many people I've heard, they're like, they're the nicest people I've known. They're like, they're like June and Ward Cleaver. <laughs> they are polite. They, I don't think I've ever heard my mom say the F word or, I, I she's just very, she's very proper, but mm. she's not, she's not strict at all. She'd let me pretty much do whatever I wanted. So what were you rebelling against? <laughs> Just rage against the machine. I guess, yeah. Just, just the angst, the teenage angst. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like listen to some smashing pumpkins and, oh, and Nirvana. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they couldn't understand. I mean, it's it's so typical. It's just you know the story the story of the teenager like turn your music down and um, were you like staying out late and no, I really didn't do that. It was more um, disrespect. I was disrespecting them a lot. I would, I was just a, a mean. I, I was mean to them. I was a mean kid. Aww. And um, they they'd ask me to do something, and I would just say no. And however, I didn't just say no to other things. <laughs> but I, you know, I was I got caught smoking and drinking and dating these not dating, but you know messing around with guys and it was just it was very non-catholic the things I was doing uh oh <laughs> and they I mean they were older so I mean they weren't they were older than my friend's parents so mm-hmm. um and and that was their first kid so of course they I think my mom struggled a lot because she was a very she followed the rules and you know Mm-hmm. Did things the way it's they're supposed to be done according you know to whoever they're according to <laughs> and um and i I definitely didn't do that and and then I started you know skipping school and 
What was their reaction? Were they angry or just perplexed? They were... My my parents never get angry. Um, they were worried. Yeah. They sent me to therapy. They went to therapy. Um, they were just really scared. They didn't know what to do with me. Where do you think all this came from? Just being a teenager? I, I, yeah. Yeah, I think... I mean, I, I know that there's a lot to do with, like, being adopted. I think a lot of my issues stem from that. Yeah. Um, but I also think that, you know, being a teenager was really hard. I think it's hard for parents trying to decipher some of that stuff. Like what is normal behavior for just a teenager? Right. Cause all teenagers are going to rebel at some point yep. and, you know, do whatever they're going to do. You know, kids are going to be kids, but that's like, how many of these issues stem from being adopted too? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like it's not always clear. Yeah. yeah. It's like even to the kid. Exactly. And I, I think going through it, I had no idea. You know, hindsight is 2020, and I saw, I see that a lot of that had to do with, you know, my fear of abandonment and my intimacy issues and just, just like holding people an arm's length away and, and not trusting. And But, um,. And I think, you know, that, that those issues carried throughout my young adulthood and even past that. Um, and, I, I, you know, I'm just even just turning 40 this year. I'm, I'm still I still feel that, but I'm I've definitely learned ways to cope with it. Mm-hmm. So, you know. So then you, you go into multiple different colleges. Is art kind of the main track you're following through these schools? Um, did no, it, I, I did the whole, like, major change, like, 20 different times. <laughs> so what were the what were the big ones? Um, I was an art history major for quite a long time, and then I was like, well, I don't want to read about it. I want to do it. So then I became an art major, and then I'm like, this is going to take me too long to graduate. So then I became an English major. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you settled on, was English? Yeah, yeah. And where was that? That was at St. Mary's. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you graduate with an English degree. Mm-hmm. Did you ever do any, like, journalism-type stuff? No. <laughs> no, no, no communications um, or, or broadcasting? Not, not specifically, no. So this is all, all, all now is, like, kind of on-the-job training? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so what did you do after college, after you get your English degree? Um, I fucked around more. I just, like, I couldn't get my life together. It took me a while. I mean, I had, I worked, but it wasn't, like, anything that I loved doing or that I wanted to turn into a career. Um, I I did a lot of work at um, nonprofits, at foundations, working with donors and fundraising, and I even started a master's program in philanthropy and development, but I just, I didn't feel... Like, that was what I wanted to do, so I dropped out of that. Um, and then at one point, I didn't have a job, and I I found yoga, and I started doing yoga, and um, I went through the teacher training, and then I became a yoga instructor, and I was, I was teaching yoga for about four years. And that totally turned my life around. Yeah? Yeah. So that's kind of where you found yourself? Yeah. In the ohm? In the ohm. <laughs> that's what it's supposed to do. I know. It's supposed it, to like center. It, says, I it worked. 
It totally worked. Did it take four years or it only took like a week? No, it took like a week. (laughs) And I was like, oh, this is great. So you got hooked. Yeah, totally hooked. What was it about yoga? Uh, It was about quieting the mind and not thinking a hundred thoughts every second. Yeah. I feel like that's a common issue amongst adoptees. I don't know why that is. I mean, I call the show, you know, the Rambler ADHD, and I've never been formally diagnosed with it or anything, but I'm always like, man, my mind is all over the damn place. I know, I And I've definitely had to, like, you know, I have meditation apps on my phone and meditation podcasts, and I'm like, (laughs) I just need to, like, calm it down, like, try to slow down the brain, but I feel like even when I'm sleeping, it's going 100 miles an hour. Yeah. I feel like that's common. Everybody's, I don't know if it's the age we live in or if that's an adoptee thing or what. I don't know, and, and the older I get, the more or the less focused I feel. Yeah. Like, I'm starting to notice my attention span is, is lessening the older I get, which is kind of weird. But I don't know, is that, like, your age, do you think, or is that just the world we live in right now? With it might be the world we live in. Notifications and yeah. lights and dings. <laughs> I know. I get on my phone and I start pushing buttons and i'm like wait a minute what did i get on here to do yeah i was so i'm so distracted from this and that and oh click on that and click on that i think that just might be tech now it's just like i remember i was supposed to do something what (laughs) was it it's like uh i know it's like when you go to target and you're like you needed to get something very basic and you end up with a whole cart full of crap (laughs) (laughs) i know i just uh saw this thing on like I think it was Reddit the other day, and it was this guy who was like, I forgot my credit card or something at a bar, so I go there to go pick it up, and instead I order more drinks and leave without the credit card again. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> How did he pay for his drinks? They probably charged it to the card <laughs> that he was supposed to pick up. They'll probably be like, oh, well, he'll be back. Yeah, exactly, at some point. Yeah. So what was your parents' reaction to kind of all your wanderings through through life at the time they were extremely supportive they've always been extremely supportive they um they didn't really push me to find myself to settle down to to get moving on my future they mm-hmm. were very um patient and and loving in in that aspect um so there were you know there was a lot of moving back in with them and living in their basement and having them help me financially and mm-hmm. um, and I mean I'm I'm surprised that it eventually like I got my crap together and and now I'm you know I own my own house I you know I'm an adult <laughs> but I, <laughs> you're I, adulting I, now it's so hard. <laughs> Life gets harder. Oh, my gosh. But it's not like, I mean, like, you know, former priest, former nun, they got to be pretty supportive, I guess, and you're their only child, so they got to support you, right? (laughs) I mean, I guess they could get tired of it and be like, no, you're on your own, but it doesn't sound like they're the kind of people to do that. What did they do after they were not a priest and nun anymore? Uh, My dad went into IT. Oh, really? And my mom, she was, um, she worked at, in college um, administration, so she worked at um, St. Kate's University for 20 years. She was the dean of students and then the academic dean and then vice president. And then she um, actually, which is how I ended up in Indiana at St. Mary's, she became the president at St. Mary's. And so wow. she's like, 
you get free tuition. Why don't you come here and finish your degree? I'm like, okay, fine, <laughs> fine. That's a pretty good deal. It is. It is. I and, mean, and it's a great, it, I mean, it was, an, it was an amazing experience and, and a really good education. Yeah, you and, can't argue with that. You know, you get to go to an Notre Dame games every, every week. And so, yeah. <laughs> All right. So you do yoga. I do yoga. You center yourself. Mm-hmm. You become a certified instructor. You do that for four years. Mm-hmm. And then what happens? Um, then I, I want to go back to a nine to five. Teaching yoga was very, um, a lot of picking up classes, kind of on call, people Mm. needing subs. It was, you know, I worked for Core Power, so I went all over the, the metro and it was a lot of like hustling and I just got tired of that. Um, and plus I was tired of wearing spandex and like standing in front of a group. You didn't like have like a, a loyalty card at Lululemon no. or something like that? I mean, we did get a discount, but it was like, I'm so over that. <laughs> it's like all my clothes are Athleta. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even own a pair of jeans anymore. Um, so I started looking for, to get, to go back to the office and, um, and more of a regular schedule and paycheck and, um, it took me about a year to find, and I, I, I actually started going back to what I had most experience in, which was nonprofits and, and development, and um, I applied for a position at, at Minnesota Public Radio, and they gave it to someone else, and then three months later, they called, and they were like, well, things are changing here, we were wondering if you were interested in working for us. I'm like, absolutely. And, the, the I mean, I've been there since January, so... Um, about eight months and it's 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 been awesome i it's a great organization and i'm just so creative and i'm i'm starting to like even though my position is sitting at my computer most of the day working with numbers and processing gifts and and dealing with members and all that um i've really had some amazing opportunities to i started writing for a couple of their blogs and I'm just, I'm really putting myself out there and, um, and journalistically, I'm, I'm really interested in moving forward into that field. So, um, that's why I'm just kind of grabbing onto anything, any experience I can. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So it sounds like this is a pretty recent development then you've been at it for eight months. Yeah. Do you yeah. feel like your mind is still centered? Do you still do yoga? I still do yoga. I started, I did my first marathon Whoa, um, this congrats. year. Oh my God, it was horrific. Yeah, I never wanted to do one no, of those. No, <laughs> I never wanted to do one either. And I don't know. But you did it. I did it. And I can check that so off my job. list. Good job. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I, like, I feel like for the time when you're supposed to be Focusing on your career and really building experience and working your ass off to to move forward. I didn't do it in in my twenties and thirties, and um, well, I'm still in my thirties technically for five more months. Um, whatever. Yeah, and, no, you're still in your thirties. <laughs> okay, but um, so I'm doing it now, and so I, I'm mm. really, you know, I don't have kids. I have three dogs. I I'm just pushing myself, working really hard, trying to pick up any 
experience and extra learning um, that I can. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. So NPR is going good? It's going great. So what kind of journalism stuff are you are you doing over there? What kind of stuff do you write about? Well, I um, I found myself really interested in, in writing um, about music. And the, cur- the Current, which is housed by NPR, so we have three different services. We have classical, news radio, and then um, The Current, which is music. Uh, not like, like modern music. Modern music. But really, like, they focus a lot on local stuff, on um, really new, upcoming stuff. And it's not just they play the same six songs over and over again. Yeah, it's not top 40 stuff. Right. Um, and so they have they have a blog and and on their website, and I, I've started um, writing. And then I, I created my own blog, and I'm doing that. So what's and, that one about? Um, that's about music. I actually, I've always been, been a writer. I've always either personally wrote or... Um, when I found yoga, I, because I have an extremely addictive personality, um, yoga was like everything. Like, I can't, I, I can't believe people like hung out with me because all I would talk about was <laughs> yoga this, yoga that. It's like shut up. Um, but I, I started a blog. I watched the movie um, with Amy Adams about Julia Childs. And oh she, yeah, 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 yeah. Julia and Julia. Yep. <laughs> and I she, can't believe I know that. <laughs> I won't. I won't judge you about that. It's cool. Um, and so I'm like, I'm gonna do something like that. So I decided to write to do 365 days of yoga and write about it every day. Mm. And um, it was it was an amazing experience. And so I, I that blog was called Year of the Yogi, and um, and I just wrote about. Not not necessarily about yoga every day, but kind of what yoga has done for me. Um, and then sometimes I'd get like you know into the history of yoga or what's behind you know what's the benefit of this pose or um, not necessarily personal experience, but it was really it was really fun to do that. So now I've started a new blog um, called The Invisible Instigator, and that's a um, a Wilco um, lyric, part of um, their new album, and I, um, I've been just going to a crap load of concerts and just really bringing music back into my life and and writing about it. So I'm I'm kind of moving, you know, towards the uh, what was his name in Almost Famous. Oh, the Cameron Crowe character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. It's been a while since I watched yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm. I'm. It's and it's. It's so fun. It's so fun, and I'm. I'm actually like present at these concerts, whereas before the concerts, I, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember them at all. So you, you don't have to like follow the bands around. It's just kind of mm-hmm. go to the concert, experience it, write about it, mm-hmm. and blog about it. Yep. So like, what are the I know Minneapolis is a pretty big music scene. Mm-hmm. What are the big uh, concert halls here? Um, 
Well, we just opened up the U.S. the new Viking Stadium. Um, oh yeah, they just had Is their that U.S. Bank Stadium. First, yep, their first two concerts. They had Metallica the other night. Mm-hmm. I know that, but uh, I heard it was not good. No, the um, did you go? I did not go. I went to Wilco instead. Um, was Wilco good? Wilco was amazing. Awesome. Wilco is always amazing. Um, no, I heard the acoustics in the new stadium yeah, are the problem. So much glass, like everything was bouncing off. Oh yeah, it's not good. Yeah. Um, and then we have, well, the TCF Stadium, which is outdoors. That's where the Gophers play. Um, That's where the Vikings were for a while, too, right? Yeah. When they were building the new stadium? Yes. Yeah, they were. I um, can't believe I know this much about Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> well, your wife, you know, That's true. up here, so I'm sure you're filtering information. I know. I've had other girlfriends from Minnesota, yeah. too. I don't know why. It just worked out that way. <laughs> um. Yeah, and uh, there's a bunch of smaller venues. Um, of course, you have First Avenue here, which is... That's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. That's kind of like the local hotspot, right? It is. Is that a big hall, or is it more of like an intimate kind of place? Um, so there's the main room, which is probably... Oh, gosh. I'm, I don't even want to say how many can fit in there. But there's like, you know, a main floor and then a balcony. Mm-hmm. But it's not a very big, big balcony. It's like there's a bar up there, and not very many pe- people can fit up there. And then they have a little side venue, which is called the 7th Street Entry, and that is really small. Mm. Um, That's for, like, acoustic sets? No. Or, like, up-and-coming bands that aren't yeah. ready for the main stage? Yep. I would say, yes. Yeah. They're like, you're going to get started over here. You're going in this room. <laughs> You're not Wilco. <laughs> no, yeah, I saw there was like a list I was reading about today. It was like, who's coming there? It was like Lauren Hill's coming there soon. Really? Yeah, I think oh. uh, Peaches. Oh. Um, somebody else. And I was like, oh, man, yeah, this sounds awesome. Yeah. And I think it's been re um, reinvigorated since Prince died. Oh. So, like, that's. How was that here? That was in that at yes. NPR. It was at, in the current. I mean, I know the nation insane. was devastated. Yeah. but Minneapolis. I think I would think it would be hit particularly hard. No, the thir- they lit the thirty-five bridge up, right? In purple. Yes. Yeah. They did a lot of things to honor him, and it was interesting because I just, I, you know, I just came back to to live music, you know, right as he was, right as he passed, and. I went to a bunch of shows and like Florence and the Machine and mm-hmm. um, oh, I can't think of their names. Uh, just a bunch of people did um, oh the Who and uh, they did you know tributes yeah. to Beyonce um, yeah and it was it was pretty cool to to see how influential and loved he was and in, in the no music the guy community. was a titan I know I think you know when I was a kid. The only thing, like, they played, like, Purple Rain a lot on, like, TBS or something like that. And, like, I didn't really fully understand it. I know, I know. <laughs> I was just like, man, this is a long movie. Who is this guy? <laughs> but you don't realize, like, until you get older, like, how truly influential and how big of a star he was. I mean, I don't know. You must have seen that clip of uh, the SNL 40th anniversary. Mm-hmm. Like, the backstage footage. Yep. And Prince does that, like, impromptu show. Yep. And everybody's just losing their minds. Maya like, Rudolph is the just The biggest like, star is, like, yeah. in the world. I was sitting there, and it's just, like, a purely 
electric experience mm-hmm. because you're like, these are people who are like titans in their own industries and they're like losing their shit over Prince right now. Yeah. It's like, if that doesn't tell you how big this guy is, like, I don't and know what does. And it's so, it's so interesting because he, he, he was so tiny, like, <laughs> like physically, but yeah. like his energy was just massive. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. And like, yeah. you know, I think I went on like, uh, a binge of like like everybody else of like Prince music through mm-hmm. like the decades and how different it is and how it just kept growing and expanding outward and I exploring is crazy and it, and it's it was it was so nice to see someone who like really loved and didn't get tired of what they did I mean that's that's really rare to see people not get resentful at having to do the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah, no, he's like just prolific and that he had such passion that he like tried to learn and play like every instrument. It's like, who does that? I know. It's like, I know like him. I know Paul McCartney plays like a ton of instruments. It's like, who else like is like, no, I'm going to play every instrument on this entire album and sing it. Yeah. What? (laughs) It's insane. Yeah. Just amazing. So, so, you got in the music back into the music scene mm-hmm. when that happened. Well, what you said NPR was probably like really just kind of devastated. Yeah, it, I went up. I walked up to the newsroom, the news floor, and it was like I don't. I mean, I don't want to compare it to nine eleven, but it was like something big, like the collapse of the thirty five W Bridge or something. Oh yeah, and every. I mean, there was just so much activity going on, and then. Um, the current, they, I mean, they were playing and covering Prince like 24 seven. Yeah. And it was just, it was amazing what they did and how they put together everything so quickly. How long did that last that it was just like Prince and Prince tributes? It was a long time. time. It was like a week, two yeah. weeks. Yeah. Man. But it's not something that I feel like people in Minneapolis and St. Paul would get tired of. They'd no. be like, they need it as much as the, as the station needs it. Yep. Oh, well, how's it going now over there? I mean, we still, it's, it's calmed down. Um, I would hope so. But I still, there's still a lot of, a lot of Prince activity. Like I see a lot of articles, you know, we're following what's going on with his properties and, oh, and, yeah. and all the royalties and who, you know, there's a big thing about paternity testing because this guy from who was in prison like claimed that he was his father, and so he did a DNA test, and he wasn't. It's like, oh, really? Oh, God. Um, so sad. Yeah. Because, he, what, he didn't have a will or something like that? Yeah, he had nothing set up. And so because of all the expenses happening around his death, they were they're starting, they had to start selling his stuff, like his his memorabilia and yeah, yeah. some music and people were like don't let that happen we have to like preserve this yeah no because wasn't that the other thing is that like he had so much music like in the oh, backlog just yep. waiting just waiting to be released yep it's like what's gonna happen to all that are I you gonna know, hear that I know because they were like I think something similar happened I forget who it was uh they just found a bunch of Jimi Hendrix stuff like a ton of Jimi Hendrix stuff and they're like we have enough to release like an album a year for like the next hundred years. Oh my gosh. I think like Prince was the same way. They're like, we, we have enough here that we can release a new album, like mm-hmm. brand new stuff every year for like ever. Yeah. It was like, what? what? 
this guy just kept creating? You know, like like when Michael Jackson died. I mean, he had some stuff. Like, he had a couple posthumous um, albums produced, but I don't think he had the amount of music as Prince did. It's insane. It's, it's insane. It is. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> so what else do you write about over there? So now, so now you're doing this project that you interviewed me for with regards to adoptees. Yeah. So... Clearly, this is something that is... Is this a new reinterest in the subject? Um, or is this something that you've kind of explored throughout the years in fits and starts? No, you know, it's funny how it kind of... How it kind of surfaced. I, I started to become interested in radio and, and the spoken word, and I started, like... Okay, I just discovered podcasting. <laughs> like, <laughs> I heard people talking about podcasts. I'm like, what are those? People still don't know. Yeah, people don't know. Yeah, and and then I, um, someone's like, you have to listen to this, and so they sent me the link, and I listened to it, and I'm like, holy crap, that was amazing. What was it? I think it was it was just this American Life. Oh, there you go. And um, then so from there, I started looking up other podcasts, and I I just really like I I became addicted, and so. Um, mm-hmm. That really interested me in interested me in in that, and so um, I went and saw a couple tapings of like All Things Considered, and I nice. just got really involved and and wanted to know like what what it takes and to produce this this kind of media medium, and um, it was thrilling, and so I'm like I want to do this, and. Um, so I asked the senior producer of All Things Considered in, in Minnesota, she, I asked him, you know, what can I do to, um, to begin my path down towards producing? And he gave me a couple suggestions, and one of them was contact KFAI. They have a great program, the WAVE Project, and um, they can teach you how to use the equipment, and um, they can teach you about the sound aspect the mechanical aspect and and so I did and and one of the questions on the application was what was your what what sh- what is your the topic of your show that's kind of um special to our community in Minnesota and so I thought about like the communities I knew I'm like well there's the yoga community um there's and, and the Korean adoptee community, I was like, bam, I'm a part of that. I'm, there's so much to talk about, and so I think I'm going to just write about that. Mm-hmm. And that's how I, I picked the topic. And now that I'm like a couple months into researching and talking to people, it's like, holy cow, there's so much out there. Yeah. Especially in Minnesota. It's like, uh-huh. and... And, and ironically, I was like, you know, I saw your post on the Facebook page, and I was like, well, he's not from Minnesota, but... Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but the work you're doing, just kind of talking with adoptees, it's, I think it, it fits so much into this community, whether it's, you know... I, I, I don't, I don't want to necessarily just say, well, Minnesota Koreans adopted Koreans are we have something special because we there's so many of us but I I, I want to like include 
everyone else out there, kind mm-hmm. of. So that's why I was like, I, I, I want to talk to, to Mike about what he's doing, and and I'm sure there's there's a lot of similarities. Yeah. No, thanks. And thanks yeah. for reaching out to, yeah. to me for that. Because, yeah, I'm always, A, you know, I, I, Minnesota would be a lost opportunity if I didn't come here and try mm-hmm. to interview or have conversations with at least a few adoptees. Because they're, obviously, Minnesota has a very rich history with regards to adoption and Korean adoption particularly. But, I mean, Minnesota Public Radio in general, I feel like, I, I don't know, is that the, like, the, it must be the leader in public radio because I feel like it has more programs that go into up to NPR to get mm-hmm. proliferated than other states. I don't want to brag. <laughs> no, they are very um, progressive with their programming and and... You know, we're coming out with more and more podcasts and mm-hmm. um, and really region specific programs. I feel so. like all the top podcasts are from like NPR and from that like NPR fed up to NPR. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm a little bit jealous of the <laughs> amount of broadcasting power that you're bringing to the table here. Well, I'm. And I, I have my Blue Yeti microphone <laughs> and my laptop that this is the only thing I can do. That and check email. You are 32 episodes ahead of me, and plus <laughs> probably way more, so many more hours. Yeah. No, no. It's like you're, you run a very professional operation. I wouldn't expect anything less out of NPR. <laughs> so what is, what is your show called? Do you have a name for it I yet? I don't have a name for it yet. I, let me suggest that it has something to do with adoption and not something weird and obscure like The Rambler and nobody <laughs> knows what the show is about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that way people get it. Yes. Yes. I. That's funny because I, I didn't put a, a title on my show and... Um, is that something you name yourself? Like, do people, like, or does Ira Glass come to the table and he's like, no, we're going to call this This American Life, and Terry Gross is like, ours is fresh air? Or is that something the producer comes up with? I, I'm sure it's different for each program. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> these are the things I don't know because I don't do professional broadcasting, so you got to give me these I, I don't, I don't little do tidbits. Broadcasting but you either. work in professional I, broadcasting, I, and I now you're doing it. professional broadcasting. I watch it. I listen to it, and I'm trying to learn as much as possible. Well, you're already doing a much better job than I. <laughs> so just, I just I want insider tips is what I want. Okay. Give me some we'll pointers. Stay here. connected and ask me anything, and I'll find out the answer. <laughs> How do I get a job at NPR? <laughs> at Minnesota Public Radio. Do, do I have to first have to move to Minnesota? That would be helpful. However, you, we do. We house um, Southern California Public Radio also. Really? So. So what do they do? They just like email or have a file share that they. No, we have. I think we have an actual headquarters down there too. Over in Southern California. In Southern California. That like they just do stuff out there and they send the broadcast back here. I know Marketplace happens through SCPR. Wow. Yeah. And so, what's the process? Like, does NPR come down from on high on their on their ivory tower and say, "NPR, we would like these shows up at NPR," or do you um, guys submit those? I don't know. I don't know that process. I think that what I was told on the tour <laughs> was, um, "and oh, you should come on a tour if you can." How long are you here? Oh, I leave tomorrow morning. Oh shoot! Well, next time you're in town, we'll we'll set that up for you. That would be awesome. Um, 
what I was, it was described to me that NPR, National Public Radio, is kind of like Costco. Like, you pay for a membership, all these smaller public radio stations um, pay for a membership, and you can take as much content as you want from NPR. Um, and I think there are, like, required shows that you, like... Like, have to carry. The Morning Edition and, oh, yeah. you know, All Things Considered. And, however, you can you can kind of cut and paste, like, in your area. Like, when, when Prince happened, M- Minnesota Public Radio, we scrapped everything. And we, we were um, kind of putting everything around Prince right. on and, and not talking about anything really national mm-hmm. or international. Um, so it's kind of a, a smorgasbord. You can take what you want and, and then you can produce locally the programs you want. And then in return, you can also submit programs. And, and I don't know how technically the process works, but, um, you know, obviously we have a bunch of programs that are housed from Minnesota public radio that go national. Mm-hmm. So, and so what is more of the aim of, of your show that is yet to be named? Is it just to interview Minnesota Korean adoptees specifically? Um, it's, it's in its zygote phase. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, you know, it's, I'm I'm not sure yet. I I think that once I start listening, because I I you know I I record things and I, I'm just in the process of recording, uh-huh. and I haven't even listened to any of these interviews that I've done. Oh yeah. So when everything is recorded, then I'll go into my headphones, into my computer, cut and paste, mm-hmm. and um, so you might look for like a central theme. Yeah, yeah. Because I think if I if I try to guide it or kind of touch on specific interwoven themes, it'll it won't sound as genuine. And I don't I don't know because this this whole process is is brand new to me. So I'm, this is how I'm doing it now. Mm-hmm. I might discover that maybe I do in the future need to kind of focus more specifically into something if I especially if I wanted to sound a certain way I know it's pretty early on in the process for you but do you feel like you're getting something out of it oh from yeah hearing all these stories yes I and it's interesting because I've done a lot of um I've read and listened and kind of looked into a lot of adoptees stories um just via the internet and Um, mostly via the internet and it's amazing to actually sit down and talk to people and hear these stories firsthand because it's it's totally different than reading them on a website or a blog and um like I heard I interviewed this 20 year old man um a couple days ago and he had found his mother and she you know had a had a family, had some, a couple kids, and she didn't want anything to do with him, mm-hmm. and um, and he, just the emotion you see, t- 
talking with someone is, is completely different than just reading their words. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, it's really hard to evoke that off of just looking at text. So you're getting a lot of the emotions. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I'm feels. also I'm also um trying to a little trying to distance myself so I don't get over emotional and mm-hmm. I can experience the emotions after the interview or or later on. Um, Do you find yourself doing that? Like you pack up your equipment and go back to the car and have a good cry? No, actually I think that'll happen when I start listening. Um, oh yeah. To everything, but I I haven't I haven't cried yet, and and I and, and like I like I tell my and anyone I'm interviewing I'm like if except I forgot to tell you this, yeah. oh. um, but like like and you told me this is if if anything you don't want to talk about you know comes up I'm not gonna I'm like I'm not Oprah I'm not gonna push you until you're uncomfortable, mm-hmm. um, so and and I've I've said that in front of each interview and and people. Some like three of the people have have gotten pretty emotional, and it's 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 real to see that, and um, and I feel that emotion. But um, and I hope that the listeners who don't really know the experience of the adopted Korean can can hear that too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, so where where can people find your work? Online, online. In the world. My blogs are <laughs> online. I'm, I'm through Tumblr, and I'm not too crazy about Tumblr because you have to have an account in order to follow people. Um, but oh I, yeah. But you can follow me on Facebook. I post everything via Facebook and Twitter. Um, I'm the Sarah Eldred on Twitter. Um, all one word, Sarah with an H E L D R E D. And um, as for the show, it it will be. I'll post that via Twitter also, and um, and that'll be available through KFAI if you go to their archives or recorded whatnots. <laughs> so, yeah. And in the future on NPR, National Public Perhaps, Radio. Maybe you'll see me down the road somewhere. <laughs> you have a great radio voice. <laughs> Thank you. That's what, that's what people were telling me when I was a yoga instructor. They're like, your voice is so soothing. And it is. <laughs> It's a good radio voice. Thank you. <laughs> People have said that about me, and I, I still don't think it's true. But you do. You have a good radio voice. Thank I'm you. Jealous. <laughs> All right. You have anything else you want to lay out there before I, we uh, finish up? No, I don't. But um, this has been an amazing experience, and it's kind of, it's kind of cool to be, to flip it around on the other side. Now, it, now, now I'm gonna know. You know, it's been a while since I've been interviewed, and. <laughs> um, now it's it's just placing that experience to when I conduct my interviews. So yeah, and thank get, you for this. Get your uh, put your feet in other people's shoes, exactly. as it were. Exactly. All right. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Mike. All right. Bye. All right, and that was the episode, my conversation with Sarah Eldred. Again, I'd like to thank Sarah for uh, awkwardly coming up to the hotel room when we couldn't find meeting space within the hotel by the airport to do the conversation. And I'd like her uh, to thank her for interviewing me for her show. Again, that's going to be on NPR on October 23rd, and I have been corrected already by my wife, uh, Anne, that it is Minnesota Public Radio, not Minneapolis Public Radio. I said to her, that might as well be the same thing. 
She corrected me again. No, it's not. So, no, it's not, I guess. NPR is Minnesota Public Radio. I'm not ignoring the rest of Minneapolis, St. Paul, and the outer areas like St. Cloud and other St. areas of Minnesota. Shakopee, I guess. Uh, I don't know any other places in Minnesota. I I don't know. Anyways. NPR, Minnesota Public Radio, is where you can hear her show, Sarah's show, on October 23rd, uh, where I will be a guest on hers, of hers. And, and that's only like a 20-minute interview, so you don't have to hear me drone on and on for over an hour or however long these episodes are. In any case, if you guys like the show, this show, and you want to have a conversation recorded with me, the Rambler, Mike McDonald, uh, please send me an email. Get in contact with me. My email is therambleradhd at gmail.com. You can tweet me. You can DM me. Um, follow me on Twitter at therambleradhd. I'm also on Facebook. You can like that page at facebook.com slash therambleradhd. And you can also message me there. So there's all kinds of places that you can get in touch with me. Music today is provided by The Bell at Needle Drop Records, as well as a collective effort, and you can find them on SoundCloud. What am I doing tonight? It's the end of the weekend. I'm ready. I'm ready. I need to get in shape. First of all, I have a 10-mile run next week. The Bronx 10-miler. I'll be in the Bronx next Sunday. I'll still try to put out the episode on time, I promise. Uh, and I am totally unprepared for that run, so I'm going to be really hurting, I feel like. I'm going to be really hurting, but that's okay. That's okay. I will muddle my way through it before I go on vacation again. Uh, I have I have a lot of vacation days saved up, and uh, Ann and I will finally be taking a vacation, a long-awaited vacation to Reykjavik, Iceland. I feel like everybody's going to Iceland, so we decided we are going to be sheeple and go to Iceland as well, and I'll try to put a lot of pictures up on Twitter uh, and Facebook saying, look, I'm in Iceland and I, I've just bought a new camera to try and capture it in beautiful 4k. We'll see how that works out. Uh, I'm also waiting to get back and maybe get a new iPhone. I feel like I, I want that new iPhone, that new iPhone seven plus it's got that camera. I want that camera. I'm kind of obsessed. I haven't found my DSLR. I feel like it got lost in the move to New York about a year ago. And it makes me very sad, and I don't know where it is. <sighs> very upsetting. Anyways, enough about that. Uh, you guys have yourselves a great week. Do some good things. Don't get too stressed out about work. Relax. Maybe you could run a few miles too this week. I'm not calling you out of shape. I'm just saying it's good for you. It's good for your mental health. Uh, I heard that it helps battle depression. I'm not saying you're depressed either. But just go have a good week, okay? I will talk to you guys next week when you can listen to my conversation with Linda Rogers. Yes, Linda Rogers, another person who I awkwardly invited to my hotel room to have a conversation. All right, you guys have yourselves a great week. I'm off to have dinner with former guests of the show, Rachel Park and Jacqueline Wells, and maybe Danny Maori will show up. You can listen to all their episodes on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, and the last two episodes on SoundCloud. You can't listen to them there, but you can listen to them at the other sites or wherever you get podcasts. Uh, you know what? Just just because I'm going to have dinner with Jacqueline and Rachel, I will play one of Jacqueline's songs on the way out. So you can hear more of Jacqueline Wells. She's on Apple Music. I know that for a fact. I'm not sure about Google Play, but you can definitely find her on Bandcamp. Go to Bandcamp.com and search for Jacqueline Wells. Uh, Her name is spelled... You can find it on my site, okay? I will talk to you guys later. Good night.
Said you come through sometime tonight.